Welcome and good morning. It is January 21, 2023. You are listening to All Out Law. I'm your host, Attorney Kyle Wyatt of Wyatt Law Associates and Freedom Traffic Law, located at 2847 South Finger Mill Road, Unit C101, Springfield Mo, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Handling all of your family law and traffic law needs. And uh, we have a uh, special You are the first sheriff I've had on the show. Uh, we've had some uh, law enforcement. I've never had a sheriff yet. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, Breaking in the ice. We got yeah. Webster County's very own Sheriff Roy Cole. Um, sheriff, so how long have how long have you been uh, sheriff there, Webster? Uh, this is my fifteenth year serving. Oh my! Yeah, I had no idea. Really, fifteen years. Good grief! Um, so uh, your uh, obviously your family, everybody's up there in Webster County. Here, you yes, have sir. Three kids. Yep. Um, and uh, and what's uh, what's uh, what, what keeps you coming back and being fifteen years? That's a that's a career there. Uh, what keeps you coming back? Cause I know law enforcement. I, I my father was was in law enforcement for twenty plus years, and uh, I, I know the 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 drain of yep. it that can be right. Uh, long hours. Uh, I uh, he uh, he worked forever. The the graveyard shift where he would uh, pick me up on Fridays and. I'd stay at the police station, <laughs> hang out with no, the guys. There's, there's a lot. There's there's a lot of, a lot of, funny stuff when it comes to being in a law enforcement family. My wife and I will, will drive kids around, you know, and we're we're driving in the, you know, the, the Webster County Tahoe and dropping your kids off at school, and of course there's you know big, guns in the the lock beside it, and you're dropping your kid off at the elementary school. It's always makes for a. I, don't know. I always find it interesting, but I, you know what makes you come back? It's, I don't know. I, it's one of those, uh, it's, it's a service where you think you can actually make a difference. And uh, a lot of times uh, you can see the difference. And so that kind of encourages you to, you know, keep going back. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty unique position. So what has changed in those 15 years? Uh, what was kind of true then and, and has been, been changed now? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I think in a lot of ways there's nothing new under the sun, you know, but um, uh, we, we've, our county's grown a lot. And so that that's one of the things that's changed. I think you were asking a different question, but my mind goes specifically to Webster County. And we, we grew at such a fast rate for so long. And of course, we're still growing. But uh, I think when I started, there was 28,000 people on the census. And I think this last time it was like 39,800 or something. So we, you know, we're, we're around 40,000 people now. Um, I still still have the same number of patrolmen that I've always had, so we're we're running just as fast as we can. Just probably the biggest thing that's changed for us in terms of our actual office is the sheer volume of work. It, it's it's way higher than what it ever was before. So just in terms of major cases and things like that, they're just they're just really super high. But um, I'm trying to. So you're seeing what's going on nationally <clears throat> is is even true with in a small county like Webster. You know, I think back, I, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. Right. And, uh, you know, it was nothing for kids to, to be able to wander the streets, ride your bike, right. uh, go all over the place. Um, and, and your parents, you know, hey, be back by the time the, the, the yeah. street lights come on. Right. Now, I wouldn't let my kids do that. Uh, it, it's a different world. Well, yeah, but I, I try not to be on the you're in a unique position when you're the sheriff and it's, you know, people, you know, they expect you to talk about safety and security and things like that, but I'm not, I don't want to be on the fear mongering side of things. I think for the most part, um, 
it is very dependent on what specific community or area you're in. I think that there is, uh, for the most part, we are pretty safe in a lot of ways. Uh, but I also think it depends on who your neighbor is. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't want to... I don't want to broad brush and be like, well, you know, you can't let your kids go play anymore. Because that's not true. You still can. But I still think you need to be vigilant. You need to know who your kids are with. You need to know where they're at and things like that. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's wisdom in what you're saying. I just don't want to take it to the extreme. Well, and I think really also the, the crimes are getting worse. I, I, for, uh, murder's murder, right? But we're seeing now this... I don't know if it's a desensitization uh, that's going on right. where kids are desensitized. They see it on TV. You know, I'm not going to be Al Gore with video games, but I mean, they, they see it constantly. Right. And, well, garbage and, in, garbage out. Right. You know, that's dad's old computer term. Whatever you put in your computer is what comes out of it. And whatever you put in your, your brain is the same thing that comes out. And they are there. They get it from everywhere. And the, the difficulty I think in parenting now is just the, um, the influence on your children is, it's more outside of your control than what it ever has been before. And I think it makes that difficult. Um, yeah, but I think people, I don't know. It seems like they look at each other differently. Uh, there used to be respect, right? You know, uh, uh, even young, young, young folks, uh, you know, the, there was a respect for elders, right? right. Always respect your elders. Nowadays you, you, you see youth and, and there's just not a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, and so that makes it challenging. I imagine for law enforcement, because we have seen this trend, uh, of uh, attacks against law enforcement, like somehow right. law enforcement are the bad guys. Yeah. Well, there's there's always, I think, a resentment towards authority, you know, and um, in, a, in a free society, you need to be very cautious about that. Um, I think you need to teach your kids to be respectful of, of authority and adults in, in general, and, and we see less and less in that. You know, we make, you know, you make traffic stops and, and, uh, you know, you most people are just super nice. I mean, most people really are. But the you you have a crowd of younger folks that uh, they just get mouthier and mouthier and more disrespectful, and it just causes problems. And they don't understand. You know, when you're on a traffic stop, uh, you have the authority to put people where they need to be just for your own safety as an officer. And they, you know, they're appalled by the fact that you can tell them to do something. Well, safety matters, and and we um, they don't understand some of those things. Most kids or I don't want to say most kids, but a lot of people are just told um, what the police can't do or what they can't do. You know, mm-hmm. they nobody can tell you to do this. Nobody can tell you to do that. And, and they don't understand where kind of line is drawn. And it's and it's difficult because the line can be kind of gray. So it, it does make it uh, difficult. But Well, crime is definitely a problem <laughs> here uh, you know, nationally and locally. And, and I heard you in Jefferson City last week, which made me uh, want to give you a call and, and invite you on. You've sure. been able to identify... Uh, a problem uh, with the system, and and we'll talk about that right after the break. You are listening to All That Law. All right, welcome back. You are listening to AOL. We have Webster County's very own Sheriff Roy Cole with us, and uh, we got Corbin from Springfield on the line. Corbin, how you doing? Oh, doing, doing okay, just spreading hate and discontent. Some weekends I like to change up and do a little discontent and hate, you know, just to, you know, just to throw something a little, a uh, little different in the mix there. Oh, so, yeah. but you know, I can tell you right now, yeah, I have a whole lot of respect for the sheriffs and, and, uh, 
the the one thing that I did learn whenever we do, you know, I do take a concealed carry class, you know, I, and I do refreshers on that. But uh, that was where I actually kind of learned a lot of the power that the that the sheriffs actually have. And I, I can tell you right now, the, the sheriff is going to be the one that's going to be standing in the way if uh, you know if, if President Chopsticks, you know, if, if he gets that wild hair and wants to take take guns and things like that. If uh, if you actually have trouble with uh, with uh, you know like uh, the local police, I mean you know there's something you can actually call the sheriff in there, and the sheriff can actually say no, this is the law, and this is how this is how we're going to how we're going to uh, um, we're going to look at it. So I you know you know supporting your sheriff, I mean that is very very important, and I can tell you right now, sheriff. I wouldn't have your job in a million damn years. Okay, there, there's there's just not enough money to put up with the grief that that you have to deal with. Because I mean, not not only do you have to deal with with people that uh, don't like to follow the law, but I mean, I know you got to deal with all the political stuff. You got to deal with the commissioners and everything else like that. I, and, and I know you got to play that game. And like I said, there okay, there ain't enough damn money in the world for me to take a job like that. I could tell you right now, not no way, no how. Right. I appreciate Thank, the call, we, buddy. We appreciate you, man. Uh, you know, I have learned a lot about I. You know, you always you know a little about you know chairs and all this, but I didn't really understand until in the last I don't know, probably four years when you had a lot of things going on around the country with riots and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, sheriffs are the one thing that you know your authority is the Constitution. You don't have anyone right. above you. You don't have right. you know a lot, a lot of, of those people. things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you had uh... that's a that's another thing too that I always like to point out. And you you probably heard me say this when we made the officeholder swear in. We swear to uphold the Constitution of the State of Missouri and the Constitution of the United States. Um, you don't swear to uphold the law. Sometimes the you know statutes may be in contradiction with the Constitution. And the Constitution has to always trump, and that's our responsibility. Yeah, Tom March would appreciate that. He's a big Missouri Constitution guy. Yeah. Follow it. Um, we have in, uh, in in this state, I had looked it up prior to uh, coming on the air, and there are uh, several states around the country that have what they call is truth in sentencing laws. Right. Uh, Arizona, California, Missouri, North Carolina uh, enacted truth in sentencing in 1994. And then 11 other states uh, enacted similar laws in 95. And that was a year after the Crime Act um, was uh, enacted. And uh, basically, uh, my understanding of that, the truth in sentencing is is, is that, uh, you know, you're going to get a sentence and, 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 you're, and the victims and the, and, the, and the defendant will know what it is. I mean, that's the theory. Yeah, so that's that's the idea The you know, the. Missouri is, like you say, you look it up and say, well, Missouri has truth in sentencing. Uh, that's pretty well misnomer. The uh, The statutes come through, like the 558 and 019, they've come through and they've undermined what the truth in sentencing actually was. So the idea of truth in sentencing is that what the judge actually says happens is actually what goes. So, um, you know, you read the, the newspaper and says, well, so-and-so got 10 years. Well, you know, six months later, a year later, they're out on the street and you don't understand why. It's like, well, they were supposed to have gotten 10 years, so that's not what happened. So what we're pushing for here is actually to make sure that what uh, that there's actually some type of predictability in the outcome. Um, we're not we're not pushing um, there's a lot of different, I think, 
misconceptions is what we're pushing for. Well, we're wanting to make sure that what happens in the courtroom actually matters and actually says the judge is the only person who hears all the evidence. So in the state of Missouri, the judge, you know, sends them to something and then you come to find out that that's just not what happened. And so we're trying to make sure that both the the citizens in the community know exactly what's going to happen. Do you believe, and, and, and we'll get to, I mean, there's, it's, it's a multifaceted issue, um, but I heard Sheriff Arnott uh, a year or so ago um, when the, the topic of, of crime, crime rates, right. uh, Springfield obviously uh, got some publicity, national publicity, uh, you know, a, a per capita being one of the more dangerous cities in, in America. Right. Uh, and, and, and he blamed a lot of it on recidivism. <clears throat> Uh, where, uh, you know, he catches the bad guys, yeah. uh, judge puts them away, and then some bureaucrat lets them out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a very small percentage of people, I think, that are still, you know, committing these crimes. Um, it, it is. And, and one of the things in these statutes you'll notice is they don't count convictions against people. They only count commitments. So you may be convicted five or ten times, before you ever actually go up to the pen, none of those convictions count against you. When you get up to the penitentiary, even your first conviction or first commitment to prison doesn't count. It's not until your second commitment that they start what they call this truth in sentencing, which they undermine later through what we call conditional release. So the, the reason people think we have truth in sentencing is because we have minimum sentence statutes, right? So we have right. these minimum sentence statutes, but those statutes are... are uh, are made null and void through the conditional release programs that allow them to let it out earlier, which is exactly what you said. It's it's a bureaucrats um, up in Jeff City, and you can you can go to you know folks pretty high up in DOC and say how long will somebody serve, and they won't be able to tell you. Judge won't be able to tell you. Defense attorney won't be able to tell you. Um, it'll it'll all depend on um, what the board of probation and parole decides and how DOC calculated. In between the two, you'll never be able to determine how long somebody's actually going to be in there. Uh, one of the when I first started pushing this idea, one of the first groups that actually came up and supported me were the defense attorneys. I was telling you before the show, uh, one of the defense attorneys came up and said, "We support it. We need to see this happen." And I was a little shocked by that because I anticipated them fighting against it. And they said, "Well, no. Let's say that you're trying to give your client advice, and the judge says, "Well, you're going to get two years." Well, in Missouri, two years may mean three months or it may mean eighteen months. There's life-altering things that happen in between three and eighteen months that a client or a defendant needs to know before he makes a decision to take a plea. <clears throat> you know as well as I do that you know the vast majority of people take pleas. So the court system would be completely pogged down if they didn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, if you're a defendant, don't you want to know how much time you're actually going to serve before you, right. before you agree to go somewhere? <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say, so, so it's even the warden has nothing to do with... No, it has nothing to do with the, the local... No, you took on I, I I say crusade. I mean, this was I mean, this is something that you have been very vocal about. I think what at least eight years ago. Yeah, I think right about eight years we started pushing this. Um, when you make trips up there, <laughs> and that's sad. Eight years, and, and we're and we're no closer than we were eight years ago. Well, no, we are we are a lot closer now. I mean, the pendulum had swung completely the opposite direction eight years ago. You know, they were it was all about. Uh, like I said, the buzz phrases that you hear on the national level about prisons being overcrowded. In Missouri, there were 35,000 people in prison. Now there's only 23,500. You know, you hear about the private prisons. There's no private prisons in the state of Missouri. 
there's a lot of national issues that keep getting brought into the state of Missouri that that don't apply. But yeah, we were we were looking at justice reinvestment back then, and uh, I always I always call it justice uninvestment because literally they took away the dollars from prison and put them towards other programs. So I they call it justice reinvestment. I called it justice uninvestment. So the pendulum had completely swung the other direction than what it is today. But today, you know, we have um, most legislators are are pretty supportive of this cause. I mean, the, everybody, I, I really haven't met anybody that's against the, the idea. The idea of predictability of outcomes is something I think everybody supports. It's a matter of working out the details. I know it will be a burden on the Department of Corrections, and they're probably not super excited about it, but they are working with us and communicating with us on it and um, letting us understand how it applies to them, and so we're, we're trying to work with them on that too. So your idea... And, and shared, I mean, I say you're right, but it's shared by what, uh, the Sheriff's Associ- Association, sure. yeah. uh, you know, uh, probably the vast majority of, of the legislators up there in Jefferson City. I can't imagine you have any that say, well, you know, I, I know somebody, you know, who raped a girl and they're sentenced to 15 years, but I think, you know, two should do it. And we see it all the time. Right. You know, I, you hear it on the news, uh, you know, or Tucker Carlson will be talking about an uh, incident where you have somebody who com- committed a heinous crime. Uh, and, and is out in a short amount of time. Well, the Missouri has 85 percenters, right? So if you're, if you're convicted of certain heinous crimes, you have to serve 85% automatically. But in reality, you know how that is. Those are the first-degree assaults or the first-degree murders. You know, a lot of these cases, they're pled down. So they have to be pled down to second degree to take the risk away from losing trial. Well, most of the second degrees are not considered 85 percenters. So... While they're they're guilty of the the uh, the act, they're only pleading guilty to the second degree, so they don't have to do the eighty five percent. So there are some good statutes on the books, but they don't always get applied. What we're trying to do is kind of a three pronged approach. So the idea of what what we're trying to accomplish this year is making sure that prison sentences are broken up into three things. Uh, the first one is a certain amount of time served in prison. The second is what we call conditional release, where if they complete programs, good behavior, rehab, hit no more, or anger management or whatever, whatever different programs the prison has to offer to incentivize good behavior and make them better citizens, they can get a certain percentage taken off their sentence for that. And then, of course, the third approach is the traditional uh, parole, where they get reacclimated in community. So between those three, you want to make sure that it adds up, first of all, to 100%, right? So if it's 10 years, you take those three um, you take those three ideas and put them together, but we want to make sure that the conditional release and the parole is limited by a certain percentage so that we can, somebody can get 15% credit, say, for good behavior or incentivize programs for better behavior in the future, but we don't want them to get 70% credit for it. Right. That makes sense. We want that to be limited. All right, we'll talk a little bit more of that when we come back. You are listening to All Out Law. All right, welcome back. You are listening to All Out Long. We got Ron on the line. Ron, are you still with us? Well, I've been hanging on. You did. You've been very patient, Ron. I appreciate that. What do you What do you have for, uh, for us? You uh, are you pro crime? Do you think think we need more uh, crime? I have a question for the sheriff. All right. Good morning. I I want to ask. Uh, good morning. I want to ask you about gun control and the proliferation of guns in our society. I know it's the thing that everybody fears most, the gun. 
you think it should be in controls or just everyone have one? Because every drunkard you stop could have one. And should, should there be, you know, I want your opinion about that. So do I get the question right? You want to know, should everybody have a gun? Is that what well, you're asking? I'm asking him about what he thinks uh, of guns in our society. I mean, you look at billboards, and there's and there's assault weapons on there. They're selling them. They're pushing them. Does the sheriff think you guys and the law enforcement you face these weapons? You can't be happy about the abundance of everyone with a gun. I know it's your work here, domestic violence every day and, and what well, we'll see if we can get an answer for you Ron so do you fear guns well you know I certainly fear them when they're being shot at me um, but you know I, I feel like um, the constitution says people have the right to bear them and so I think they have that right until due process takes effect and says they can't I mean it, you can oversimplify I mean call it oversimplified but i think that's what well isn't that part of your supposed to be your training or the training of your of your your officers your deputies that anytime they do a traffic stop or they come in contact with somebody you always take the you know approach of you know this person may have a weapon so i need to to be careful or i need well, to most take... people most people we pull over do have guns right so yeah i mean it's a i mean i appreciate where he's coming from i get i get i get that question a lot but you know, I, I don't know how you preserve freedom if people don't have them. Right. You know, and that that's what it, that's the bottom line. I mean, that's why it's in there, and uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's pretty serious. You know, when you, <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I could go down like four different roads, so I'm trying to decide which one to go down. But the bottom line is, is uh, people have the right to bear arms, so we're not going to infringe on that. We're going to make sure people have the right to do that until there's been some type of due process through the court system that says they can't. I don't know about you, but when I went to high school, the parking lot was filled with, with trucks yeah, with gun racks uh, and yeah, rifles that's, in them. That's become, it's become a recent topic lately. The It is. It's, it's uh, you, know, it, <laughs> you know, how do you, uh, how do you, uh, you know, how do you, keep school safe and, and more than just a lot different directions to go with that right but yeah i mean we all had them i mean we all had them growing up and we all had them in our cars and and uh when i was i graduated in 99 so that was you know the mid 90s was kind of when they were stopping all that i think if, if memory serves me so the guys that were just you know just you know a decade ahead of you they all had guns in their windows and then you know we went through a time where you know we had to get rid of our ball caps because they were afraid of gangs you know, and it was like you couldn't wear caps in school for a while because it might be a crip or a blood thing. And, then, <laughs> you know, the guns went away. And so we start limiting everybody else's freedoms because of what certain individuals do. And that's, you know, I know there's a balance there, but that's always dangerous ground when you limit everyone's freedoms because of what certain people do. So where'd you grow that's, up uh, at? Rogersville. Okay. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you, um, you know, obviously you have uh, skin in the game concerned as far as i mean you are charged uh with the protection of of, of the citizens of webster county and uh part of that is when you see something uh, something that's broken in the system you know how do i how do we get it fixed because i'm, I'm getting tired of arresting i, I assume this is happening in, in your in your county 
where you guys web, uh, keep arresting the same person. Yeah, I mean that's or same people. Right, that's exactly right. It it is. It's it's the you you know most of them by name, and uh, it's it's mostly the same people over and over and over. Um, and so, the, the, I mean, that's that's what that's what we're trying to do to fix. It. I mean, that's what this truth and sentencing idea is. So, the idea is that you have some type of local control as to what actually happens when people get arrested. Your local judge can actually have a say. I feel like your local judges, their power's been stripped. You know, they they hear all the evidence. They hear the they hear the defendant. They hear the 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 defendant's arguments for why they did what they did. They get to hear from the victim's point of view. They actually get to see the effects of the community themselves because they live in the community and they make a, you know, their very best decision. You know, he said the, the caller earlier said he didn't want to be sheriff. Well, I wouldn't want to be a judge. Yeah. That's a hard job. And, and you, if you're, if you're any, if you're worth your salt at all, there's a lot of pressure on you to consider both sides and try to do things exactly right. And they go to all that work to do the research and do the listening and try to understand exactly what's going on in the community. And then every decision they made is undermined by people and people, you know, in Jeff city that they've never met. And I, I, that's a great frustration to me. And you have, you have people literally putting their lives on the wrist to try to make these arrests to watch this stuff happen. It, it, it'll get me rattled up pretty quick. So your proposal, uh, would that basically, uh, our proposal, our proposal, would that basically, uh, put unemployed the the bureaucrats that are making these decisions no it wouldn't it would just simply limit their um, decision making ability to a certain percentage right so they can still incentivize the good behavior we want that to happen but we want it to be limited to a certain percentage you know say a 10 15 20 percent whatever limit that authority so that our local judges still have the bigger decision and the range of punishment and all that stuff that's still determined by the legislators, which are elected by the people. So the legislators can determine the range of punishment, but if the judge says within that range of punishment you're going to get something, that's what you should get. We don't have that now, right? We don't have a, a mechanism. I mean, we have um, under 559, was it 115? It's been a while since I've done it, uh, where they where they do a 120, 120 days incarceration right. where there's right. treatment, uh, shock. Which is almost always the first Right. Yeah. yeah. Your first, yeah, your first stint, uh, you, you go under the 559 uh, statute. Um, and, and in that case, uh, in that situation, the judge does have the ability to call back uh, the defendant uh, from incarceration uh, if they've done what they're supposed to do. Uh, but outside of that, uh, once a judge sentences a, a, a defendant to, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever, in the Department of Corrections, it doesn't ever come back to the judge. I mean, no, not but, to your, my but your but your proposal, though, at least some aspect of it would would go back to the judge. Correct. As well, far as as would, far as about being released at, at, at an earlier time. Well, the decision would have been made that day in the courtroom. All right, so that's what you're referring to, right? Okay, so that all that decisions are, are made there at the sentencing, uh, and so then when the, the defendant goes to DOC, now they have an idea exactly. It's not some sort of formula per se. Right. Well, I mean, it would be a predetermined formula. Predetermined, right. Right. And that, you know, one of the other things I think that's important we talk about is dealing with some of the same people over and over and over is uh, a lot of people have tried to kind of hijack this movement and they want to make it so that we're only going to have truth and sentencing on the violent crimes, right? Well, the problem with that is that you're waiting until somebody does something violent before you actually punish them. You know, people are motivated the same. They're motivated by a good reward or bad punishment. Either one you know, can be motivating. Well, you have kids, 
you don't wait for him to do something really bad before you discipline him, right? right. Um, maybe I'm you know, a little old-fashioned, but to me, if the kids are disrespectful with, you know, rolling their eyes or not looking at me when they speak and, you know, being disrespectful, I jump on them pretty quick, right? Well, if I waited till they were robbing banks before I punished them, we're probably going to have some bank robbers. Right. You know, you, you, you stay on top of the little stuff and it keeps them from getting out of hand. We don't want to have this, this truth and sins and become one of those deals where we, we wait until somebody is so far down the road of crime that they can't, you know, it's harder for them to rehabilitate. If we catch people earlier in their criminal behavior, we have a much better chance of changing their behavior for the future and have long-term better outcomes. I get, I get, you know, a little frustrated. You know, there's a, there's a mentality that people are in there are just um, small-time drug users. You know, that's generally not the case. I, I don't know too many people that are in prison for small-time drug use. First of all, generally it's dealing and they're pled down. Of course, dealing, by the way, is not a a percentage-based thing. They have to be charged with trafficking for them to any type of um, uh, percentage-based approach right now. But if, if even if it was, if you were talking about some type of small, if you were, if you were, I'm just making this up, but if you were talking about drugs, would you want to wait for somebody to have 10 years of drug use behind them before you try to correct the behavior? Or would you want to try to correct the behavior pretty early? Because 10 years of consequences of that bad behavior are hard to catch up with. Yeah. You know? What uh, are you, do you get any kind of pushback or uh, you know resistance in Jefferson City from anybody? No, really don't. Other than like I say, um, there's a there's some people that want to make it so that you know it's only for big crimes or violent crimes, and so that that's a frustration to me. And of course, like I said, the the Department of Corrections is they're they're a little hesitant to it because it you know could mean more work for them. So they you know that's something that makes them a little nervous. So. Uh, that's where I get some of my pushback. Sure. Uh, when uh, when we have uh, these uh, these folks that um, are, are 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 trying to make these decisions, right? These legislators. Um, is there a an actual bill that has been introduced? Is there uh, a draft of some sort yeah, that you've at, seen? At this point, that... we actually have. Gee whiz, we may have five or five or so introduced now. Uh, we. You know, um, uh, Curtis Trent on the Senate side has, and Mike Moon has. Uh, both of those have, have introduced some good bills, and they're kind of tweaking them as we go. Um, had a meeting earlier this week to, to try to get some changes on it, and then Darren Chapel's introduced one, or is in the process of introducing one. And we have we have the bills being introduced. Um, I think people generally support the cause. I, ha- I just I really haven't found any you know citizen or general legislator. Uh, we have we even have. Um, um, I'm told I haven't got to have a meeting with them yet, but I've, I've told we have some Democrats on the other side of the aisle that are actually support it as well too, and they don't appear to be <clears throat> making a big fight to stop it because it's just about predictability. So that's the that's the idea. And the other thing we kind of support too is, uh, or at least I support, uh, our expungements after a certain period of time. I know that a lot of times people don't support that, but I think after a certain period of time, uh, proportionate to the crime you should be able to get your rights back. I think it makes for better citizens and a better workforce as well. Cool. All right, when we get, uh, we'll get back. We got one last break. It goes by quick. Uh, again, any uh, last-minute questions or comments, feel free to give us a call. We will come back, and then we'll also have a, uh, have a, a happy story at the end. You are listening to All Out Law. Welcome back. You are listening to AOL. We are joined in studio with Webster County Sheriff Roy Cole, and we got a caller from the, on the line, Jack from Springfield. Jack, how you doing? 
Ah, doing great. It's a great day in the Ozarks. Listen, uh, uh, how does the uh, sheriff feel about this new thing of crime, especially in the big cities of uh, Mobile? They're letting felonies, felons loose, and uh, the police really aren't in the crime prevention business. They come in after crimes have been committed and try to solve it. And uh, if people have no defense whatsoever, it's in these big cities, you see it all the time, it's getting worse. It's not long before it's going to be out here in the country, out here in the, in the Ozarks. So what does he think about that? All right, good well, call. Thank well, you. sure. And, Jack, appreciate your question. I, I love it when people ask, like, three different questions in one because there's three totally different answers in that. But he, he brought up several different issues there. Uh, to me, the bottom line is, you know, when he called in off air, he, you know, it was about prevention. Well, the best way to, to me, the best way to prevent crime in a free society is by punishing the last one. So there is a little truth to what he's saying is you come up later afterward and you punish the bad crime. That's what's justifying the behavior. Uh, the, the bond issues, um, those are not a, those are something we deal with regularly. I wish that we could publish a list. There's two lists that I wish would be published. One would be a list of crimes committed for people while they were on parole, and people would really have an idea of of uh, where to like go and look and see how many people that are wards of the state that are committing crimes. But also I'd like people to be able to know how many crimes are actually being committed while people are on bond. Now that's a much much more sensitive issue because people on bond have not yet been convicted. You know, they maintain more rights than somebody who has been convicted, so it's a different a little bit different issue, but you still have probable cause to believe that crime was committed and you still got to have a little bit of a hearing to determine the that level of threat to the community. So I think it needs to be left to the local judge like it was before. Uh, instead of having you know Jeff City set guidelines or try to pressure local judges into letting people out in the name of just having less people in jail, you brought up a, a, an argument over uh, during the break that one of the arguments you get uh, a pushback on on these truth and sentencings is uh, the one chance. Yeah, that's I, I, it. To me, it's the I kind of call it like the one chance theory. Everybody gets one chance, but what? What I don't think people realize when you have separation of powers, which is a good thing, but people get lost in the shuffle. You know, one officer catches somebody doing a low-level crime, may give them a warning. Another officer catches the same guy, gives them another warning, and they always give them the same thing where they kind of point their finger at them, they make real direct eye contact, get stern with them, and they say, this is your one chance, right? Well, it gets to the prosecutor. Prosecutor looks at it and says, well, this is the first time I've seen you, so this is your one chance. Well, then they go and they do it again. They get caught four or five times. And then you complicate that by different counties or jurisdictions doing the same thing. And they never know that the other county or jurisdiction is doing the same thing. So this person's had a lot of one chances. Well, then they get, you know, in front of the prosecutor. Prosecutor takes them up in front of the jail. They get the SIS, which is, you know, where they don't end up getting a conviction. And they, they make their way to the judge. And the judge does the same thing. You know, he points his finger at him, makes direct eye contact, gets real stern with them and says, this is your one chance. And then they get the same speech from parole and everybody else. And and uh, when they get to prison, even in DOC, if you read that statute, they may have been convicted multiple times, but they get up there in their first time in DOC, there's there's nothing sticking at all. And they can turn around and shake their finger at them and say, well, this is your one chance. So that was the thing that, they that get a lot really of one chances. Is what you were telling me about the prison, the way they're, they're, they're calculating things, is that they don't look how many crimes you committed. No, convictions or, do not count. Commitments are the only thing that counts. That's there's a insane. big difference. Yeah. I mean, you could really get an idea of a person, you know, their history. Well, and it, this stuff's hard to figure out, for one. I mean, you're an attorney. I'm not. Trying to read some of these statutes, and then they refer to another statute that refers to another statute that refers to another statute. And 
I ain't that smart, man. I can't figure that out. <laughs> you know, I literally have to call up a bunch of attorneys. And then I call, no, literally, I will call four or five different attorneys and I will ask them their opinion. And they're all five different. different you betcha. Yeah. And so <laughs> the experts can't agree on what these things are supposed to mean. And that's why, you know, I think when you get to DOC, it kind of depends on who's calculating your numbers to determine when you're going to get out. You know, one of the things that I hear, uh, you know, I'll be sitting in court and you'll have somebody who's been called called in to circuit court and they were they're doing time in DOC and they're begging to get back to DOC. Yeah. They don't want to stay in, in the in the county jail. Yeah. So county he, jails aren't quite as they, they, there's not as much freedom in a county jail as there's a prison. We don't have any softball fields or volleyball courts or things like that for them. Maybe they can get on the ballot next time. Yeah. Uh before we uh before we get done with the show, I something I, I got a call uh, and I I spoke to you about it. Uh, that there's a, a, a new charity that's been yeah. launched yeah. Uh, this week. And, uh, and I, I, it's really... It, Keith it's, and Teresa. Yeah. yeah. So this 100 Club is, it's a really, just a really thoughtful and good idea. You know, we're, um, I was kind of, you know, I, I'm always running around doing one thing or another. And finally somebody just had to grab me and say, you have to do this. And that was Keith. And and uh, this is this is a great program, and it's a great idea. And other counties have already done it; they're kind of ahead of us. But the idea is basically to raise money for for fallen officers or first responders' families if something were to happen to them. And so it's a, I believe it's a five hundred one c three. If I've got my numbers right, um, you've got it pulled up right there in front of you. I do. It uh, you have all the notes in front of you. It's not fair. I have to have to go from memory. But You're it's doing great. it's just a it's a great great concept. It's a great idea, and there's. There's there's no reason to not to get behind something like this. Take and, care of our people. And uh, you're 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 correct. Uh, the 100 Club uh, in our situation here is called Webster County 100 Club. You can go online, uh, WebsterCounty100Club.com, um, and uh, and get on. You can make your donations. Uh, but uh, this is something that's been around uh, since 1952 uh, right. in different parts of the country. Uh, it was started by uh, an auto automobile dealer. Uh, who had heard a uh, this is a tragic tragic story um, about the financial trauma of, of a family where uh, their loved one was in law enforcement or was a firefighter uh, and they were killed in the line right. of duty uh, and so since then since 1952 uh, hundreds of 100 clubs have been open nationwide uh, to provide financial relief to these families who have lost so much in support of their communities um, and and it is something that uh, you know my God. You know, for what two or three years we were hearing about what defund police, mm-hmm. right? Right. Cops are the bad guys. You know, right. well, I mean, hell, you're a racist. You have to be. You know, you wear a badge. Um, and and that was just this narrative right. going around. Uh, and and and, and you know, even my hometown of Kansas City, right? You know, they they wanted to, they had a they had to put a bill or a, or a ballot measure in this past uh, election to stop Kansas City from defunding the police. I know. Yeah, I saw that. That was that was one of the bills going through. I think it's going through right now. Actually, isn't there a, a, a parallel bill to that going through now? Might be. And so it's just it's just insane. You, you there's it's brain damage, really. It's, no, it's, it's a problem of the left. I, you don't have to say it, but I do. I always speak for all my my guests. I'm not speaking for you. I just speak what I think. Uh, but it is is brain damage where um, you know I think Senator Kennedy from Louisiana said it best. You know. Uh, your house is getting robbed and getting burglarized. Uh, the left doesn't want you to be able to call law enforcement. You know, I guess you got to call a crackhead, you know, to come to your aid. 
call social worker. And, uh, and so there's been this narrative and, and we've seen this uptick. I, the numbers came out um, where how many law enforcement officers were, were killed in the line of duty uh, has gone up by, I think, 30% since last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we, we need to have uh, this, uh, I don't know, repositioning, right, Re- recheck of, of what's important. And uh, being a, a son of a law enforcement officer, uh, it is something that I know about. And I, I, I think uh, there's not a job. I, I tell this to a lot of, of my friends that, that are in, in the field. I could imagine to wake up every morning. You know, you, you get dressed, get your uniform on, and you don't know. You really don't know if, if, if you're going to be able to come home that night with your family. Right. You, you don't. I mean, you hope for the best. Mm-hmm. You, you believe in God's going to protect you. Uh, I don't worry about that. It never crosses my mind once that, you know, I'm going to go to court today. I don't know. I might not make it. Uh, and so what you guys do, uh, not just you, the firefighters. I mean, you got men and women who are rushing into a burning building where everyone else is trying to rush out of. Uh, and so it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of guts uh, to do what uh, what all of you do. And uh, and so this is a really uh, this is a, it's a good charity uh, and a good program I think to yeah, be a part of. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, you got you put your endorsement on it. Um, so uh, go ahead and, and check out, uh, figure out how you can participate, how you can uh, donate. Um, but every little bit matters, uh, and, and it's something that's, that's worthy. Uh, so, Sheriff, uh, we got less than a minute. Uh, what do you? Uh, any last thoughts for good people out there in Webster County? Anything that they uh, can do? Anything you can share? Well, no. You know, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. So, I mean, it's it is, is a. I think this truth and sentencing is a worthy cause for all of us to support, and I'm um, grateful for the, you know, the family I have standing behind me trying to serve this cause. It's a I think it's an honorable one, and we have a very good team. Uh, Webster County has very good law enforcement, you know, from the uh, from the patrol side, the investigators to the to our bailiffs, to our our jail staff, our our local municipalities, and our troopers. I mean, we just we're even our conservation guy. We're we're very lucky in our community to have such good good people to work with. So it's um, I don't know, it's a good thing, and the, the citizens are super good to us. Uh, you don't don't have time to go into it, but law enforcement's one of those weird positions where you you go out to eat and somebody tries to buy you lunch, but somebody else in the back is spitting in your food. So it's the <laughs> it's the world we live in these days. But it's uh, we're we're sure grateful for the people that stand behind us. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can have you back on some time and and uh, and talk about any other issues. But all right, all right. well, you, you have a uh, fantastic weekend, uh, guys. There's an important game coming on here in a few hours. So get in front of your TV, join your family, friends and root on the Chiefs. Until next time, stay tuned.